Pretty Dece, Pretty Dece, here we go. Facebook.com slash Pretty Show. It's time to geek out with Josh, your host. What's up, everybody? I'm Josh Meek, the Uber Geek. Welcome to Pretty Dece, your short show about movies, comics, games, and all the pop culture in between. Today on the show, we are talking movies because we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Spider-Man Far From Home. So needless to say, if you have not seen Spider-Man Far From Home yet, and you intend to, and you and you care about getting spoiled about this at all, you should turn this off now, come back later on the podcast feed and listen to this episode once you've seen the movie. Uh, because there's a lot to talk about, and there's a lot to, to be excited about for this film, and I don't want to ruin the cool stuff that happens in it for you if you haven't seen it. So come back after you've you've watched it and listen to this then. Uh, but in the meantime, let's let's jump in. So for me, Spider-Man: Far From Home is is really a quintessential Spider-Man tale. He's uh, he he's doing things that that are uniquely Spider-Man. And what I mean by that is is that it is it is a teenager who is both trying to save the world and do the right thing and and has all of this weight and pressure placed upon him while also trying to balance just being a kid and just being a regular teenager and, and hang out with his friends and 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 try to tell girls how he feels. And Spider-Man more than any other superhero has both of those things and that's what's always drawn me to Spider-Man is seeing like he's doing this these crazy world saving things as Fury has said he's he's been to space but at the end of the day like he's also just a teenager in high school and that was always the the thing about Spider-Man that I could I could I could relate to and you know Spider-Man later on in the comics has gotten older and and has a job and he's in his 30s and he gets married um, but it's that that young Spider-Man that initially drew me to liking Spider-Man so much. The 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 being in high school, being being a nerd, being into science, and, and I love I love that we have young Tom Holland playing that Spider-Man here in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's so so cool, and you know again quintessential Spider-Man. Coming up with an elaborate plan to just get near a girl and tell her how you feel. That's like a perfect thing, perfect teenager thing. Every nerdy dude did that in high school. And I love that they, you know, don't try to make Peter Parker look cool at all in this film. Like he is a he is an absolute nerd and he's going to great lengths to buy this girl that he doesn't even know if if she likes him back this this like necklace and he's like has these big plans and we're gonna be in the Eiffel Tower. Uh, it is it is adorably nerdy, and I, and I love that about him. And again, I, I just love Spidey because he is this regular nerdy guy that also happens to be a superhero. And and more than that, the the effect of kind of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as I said, we we have Spider Man in the MCU. the The overall effect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is felt pretty greatly in this film. Of course. You know, the death of Tony Stark weighs pretty heavily on Peter, and that comes up throughout the film. It's something that he's coping with, and I think in a lot of ways he he feels like he lost a father figure, but he can't actually talk to anyone about that because no one knows he's Spider-Man except for his aunt and, and his friend, and no one knows he had this close relationship with Tony Stark. So the world is kind of mourning Tony Stark and, and mourning Iron Man. 
and he is he is as well. He's feeling it very heavily, but but kind of feels alone and kind of lost in that is sort of the 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 take that I got. It, it's kind of like he lost Uncle Ben for a second time. He lost this father figure that meant a lot for him and was kind of this guiding compass for him. And that's left him reeling. You know, we we go from when we first meet Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where he's gung-ho, he is he is way too eager, he's ready to get into a fight when he doesn't need to, to now he's reluctant to even pack his suit to go on vacation. He just wants to get away from it. You know, he he's been knocked reeling by by losing, you know, five years of his life, by losing this this father figure. He's just ready for a break. And that back and forth, kind of that balancing act is is uh, very much a Spider-Man thing. And more so as, as far as the MCU being felt in this movie, this is the first film we're really seeing that is post-blip, as they're calling it. So when half of the, the population goes away and then comes back five years later. And it's actually one of the things that I wish they would have gotten more into. And I, I don't think that I'll be uh, pleased with any coverage of the blip in a Marvel movie, unless we get a documentary-style movie that focuses just for two hours on what happened during and after the the events of of the blip, uh, because it's so fascinating to me. We get little little bits of it here, so we find out that um, when Aunt May and Peter blipped, um, someone moved into their apartment. The apartment was empty. Someone moved in. Aunt May blipped back and hey, there there's people in my apartment that I that I lived in seconds before as far as she was concerned. Uh, they they showed footage of a marching band where half of them blip out in the middle of a basketball game and then five years later blip back in, still wearing their marching uniforms, still playing their instruments in the middle of a, a basketball game. That's fascinating. Imagine all the, the possible things people could have done or been doing when they blipped out and, and then coming back and how things could change. You could have been in the 10th floor of a building that then got torn down and then you blip back and just fall to your death. There's so much that I want explored about the blip, both in terms of, of the, the, the people aspect, what they're doing, how they coped, uh, the, the, the economic aspect. Imagine that suddenly half the world's population is gone. What does that do to jobs? What does that do to the economy? What does that do to, to food supply, production? Um, super, super interesting, crazy stuff. Obviously, we don't get any of, of that here. We just get a little taste of it. Uh, but but I, I like at least that we they had to cover it, right? It's, a, it's after the blip. They had to focus on what life is like for these people a little bit. So, so that was at least nice. And, and, you know, also, Spider-Man in Europe is, is a pretty simple but effective way to differentiate this film from Homecoming, to make it feel uh, completely different. It's, it's in setting. He's, he's off in a different land. Um, Spider-Man is, is kind of home base in New York, but I like this movie kind of has its own vibe because they are sort of jet-setting around the world touring Europe. That's, that is pretty cool. And the ensemble cast, of course, not just Peter goes to Europe, but his classmates and his teachers go as well. And that cast continues to be great for this film. Zendaya as MJ is a wonderful take on that character. I love how just edgy and uh, kind of sardonic she is. Very, very cool. And Martin Starr and J.B. Smoove as the kind of bumbling idiot teachers uh, that were taking Peter and his classmates on this trip were just incredible additions to the cast, 
Both of those guys are fantastic and, and played their roles absolutely perfectly. And, and especially Martin Starr coming from Silicon Valley and now this role being kind of the complete polar opposite of his character there is really, really fun to see. Then, of course, we get to the main bad guy of the film, Mysterio. And Jake Gyllenhaal does a fantastic job playing Mysterio. He has to kind of do a lot of different things in this film. He has to play big brother to Peter, uh, so kind of he he's the big brother versus Tony Stark's kind of father figure fi- father figure to Peter, but then later he also has to become this kind of technomaniac because if you've seen the film, he's not everything that he's you know uh, uh, purporting to be, uh, which should be no surprise if you know anything about Mysterio from the comics, but the transition that he makes as Mysterio in the bar scene. So he he gets those glasses from Peter, Peter walks out, and then when sort of the the facade, the illusions start to fade away and he just sits there and kind of starts laughing and like raises up his hands, like the personality change that comes out of Jake Gyllenhaal as he starts giving the speech to his team is really great. Like that is an, an expert actor to sort of make that turn on a dime. And you could really feel the two different uh, versions of Mysterio there. And really the whole conceit of Mysterio in this film is incredible. I absolutely love everything they did with this character. Uh, they they essentially created a supervillain by committee. It's, it's an entire team of people pulling off this giant ruse instead of just Mysterio. Um, from the, the comics, Mysterio is kind of um, a, a quick-change artist. He's very good at at masks and, and makeup, and he can kind of fool you into thinking he is someone else. And then later on, he becomes more of a, uh, a pure magician. So he has, he has smoke, and he has mirrors, and he has illusions, much like this Mysterio. But, but turning it into this group of people forming this kind of larger-than-life character of Mysterio and actually having someone who Mysterio was crediting for, like, writing the character of Mysterio uh, was, was super interesting. They crafted a superhero, essentially, and a backstory and sort of a reason for all these fights to be happening um, is, is way, way cooler than anything we've seen from Mysterio in the comics, and I absolutely loved it. The core of the character is still the same. You have someone who is purporting to be someone that they are not, and they are fooling those around them into seeing things that they're not seeing, but merging in the drones and merging in the entire team of people working behind the scenes made it much, much cooler, I think, and, and a really interesting take for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They did try to weave in sort of members of the team, of the Mysterio team, into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe, which was fine. It didn't really wow me, like I think they maybe thought that it was going to do. So they put Jake Gyllenhaal's character behind the scenes in a uh, a previous press conference that we'd seen Tony give. They put one of the other team members uh, in one of the Iron Man films as just kind of a random person that was getting yelled at. Uh, it, that, that was fine. Like it was okay that, that it gave them a bit of a backstory, but it didn't feel like they were kind of like reinventing sort of behind the scenes of the Marvel universe 
like I think that maybe they thought that they were presenting. Uh, I would have been just as fine if none of that had had been presented and this was all a new team of people who were just mad for various reasons or wanted change for various reasons or, or to gain power for various reasons. But nonetheless, super cool. I loved everything that we got about Mysterio. I loved that you never quite knew if you were seeing the real Mysterio or just a projection, just an illusion. And I love that they played with that several times where it was multiple layers deep. Like uh, like you weren't sure. Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? It was all really, really cool. And then, of course, brings us to the ending of the film. And not just the ending, the, the post-credit scene, or the I guess the mid-credit scene, if you will, really does something that turns Spider-Man on its head. So... If you left the theater before this happened, that's unfortunate. But here's here's what went down. We are presented in the mid-credit scene with J. Jonah Jameson, who is running the Daily Bugle, but in this uh, movie world, it's more of an InfoWars-style broadcast. So he's, he's presented as this kind of Alex Jones-esque insane figure, kind of. And of course, he's telling the world about the, the menace that is Spider-Man, and he plays footage from Mysterio that Mysterio had recorded. And Mysterio is telling the world that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And that gets broadcast to everyone. You know, Spider-Man is in the middle of the city. It's played. Everyone around him sees. And he's outed. Everyone knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Now, that's happened in the, in the comics, of course. And then Marvel has, has walked it back. And there was a lot of outcry when Marvel kind of waved their hands and said that now no one knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man once again. It was such a powerful moment to out Peter Parker as Spider-Man, which is a thing that happened during Civil War in the comics. And when people, when they, when they just kind of like made it end, people were very upset about that. So I would hope that Marvel is smart enough to not tease this without going all the way or to let this happen and then just at the end of the film find a, a clever way to walk it back where now people don't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I would I would hope that this means that that yes, legitimately, everyone now knows that random, you know, high schooler Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And if that's the case, this next Spider-Man movie is going to be insane. It completely changes the the course of Spider-Man. It complete completely changes the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Spider-Man is going to get pushed even further into just hero and his regular life is going to fall by the wayside because he's not going to feel like he has a regular life anymore everyone's going to know that he's spider-man and i'm really interesting to i'm really interested to see the direction that they take that and and what exactly they do you know now he has these friends he has family that are connected to him and that he's responsible for and now suddenly they're in danger because the entire world knows who he is and who he is related to and who he is friends with. So very, very cool stuff. I absolutely cannot wait to find out more about Spider-Man. Not only, of course, the the next Spider-Man film, but he can, will kind of weave in and out, I'm sure, of some of the, of, of the other Marvel movies. So I, I'm really just generally excited about this next phase of Marvel to figure out where in the world they go from here. Obviously... You know, we have some insane stuff that's just happened in the Marvel Universe, and, and I love, love, love that we're now getting this sort of 
turn, this redirection, and heading off in a whole new way. Should be very, very cool. So that's going to do it for Pretty Dece for today. Thank you very much for joining me to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. Hopefully you've seen the movie and I didn't just spend 15 minutes spoiling the entire thing for you. Um, I certainly enjoyed it. And I hope that you enjoyed the film as well. If you want to check out all the past episodes of Pretty Dece, you can do that. Head on over to prettydeceshow.com. Of course, hit me up on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash prettydece. And you can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pretty Dece Show. <laughs>